Hello and welcome to When Wrestlers Act. I'm John Cronshaw and I'm back once again with Colin. How you doing? Hello John, how you doing? I'm alright. Good. We've just watched Series 1, Episode 1 of Glow, which is a Netflix series about lady wrestlers. Ladies. Yes. And there were a lot of ladies in this. <laughs> yes, um, I enjoyed it, but we'll get to that later. I shall be watching more. Okay, well... And the next episode when wrestling. Hey. <laughs> yeah. So um what have we got then? So it opens up and we're introduced to that one off of Mad Men and Community. It's Alison Bree. Hello, Alison. I'll take your word for that. Yeah. So Alison Bree off of stuff. She's called Ruth. She's got eighties hair and she's doing a impassioned reading about being a business person, because that's what ladies don't do in the eighties. And she starts crying because she's really pleased that she's actually doing a part where a lady will have some power. And then she gets informed that she's reading the men's bit. <laughs> Political. Have you ever seen Working Girl? Years ago, yeah. There's an episode of Bob's Burgers where they do um, a mashup of Working Girl and Die Hard. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I want them to make that. Yeah, that's a good one. Yeah, so she ends up reading for the casting agent again and she's a secretary instead and she's like oh your wife is online for so we get the impression that she's an actress frustrated i think she's jobbing got, yeah yeah she's got high hopes for herself and ambition let's say to do important roles and you know memorable parts yes so then we get her accosting an agent in <laughs> the toilet i've actually heard about this happening at conferences and things where a literary agent has been sat on the toilet and a manuscript has slid underneath the door Is, are roll. they solicited um manuscripts now they're they're at like a writing event and they plot that a literary agent has gone into the toilet and so they think oh i know what will help me get published i'll slide my novel under a door while the agent is taking a shit and that should help that should definitely help well, you know, you get people like Chris Moyles who wanted to write the ideal toilet book. I mean, maybe that was it. Maybe it was a good toilet book. Maybe that's how Chris Moyles <laughs> got published. That That's the part of the story that I didn't hear was who it was. I like to think that that is how Chris Moyles got published. That wouldn't make sense. Whatever happened to Chris Moyles? I don't know. I think he got bitter and made friends with the Kaiser Chiefs or something. Yeah, so the agent anyway, she, she says that she's not good enough that... She, what was it she says? She says something like, you're a normal-looking woman, and when my directors say that they want a normal-looking girl, I always pick you just so they can realise that they've made a mistake. (laughs) Yes, uh, realise that what they want is not what they think they want. I laughed at that point and just made that sort of, ooh, noise. You're like, you do. Yeah. So then she basically says, oh, okay, you could do erotica or some interesting experimental stuff foundations are laid for the interesting experimental stuff wrestling that's what it would be just spoiler alert but and then we cut to an 80s exercise class <laughs> <laughs> yes you got you gotta love them haven't you yeah it was In basically the... uh what calinetics is that what you call it calisthenics i think yeah. and spandex and cotton and headbands and big hair and those um, leotards that go right up the bum, but for some reason they wear leggings underneath them. Why so they don't get a wedgie? 
Right, okay, but they still seem to get wedges. Yeah, I don't know. Uh. It'd, be, it'd be perverted, I think, if you just had the over leotard and not the leggings. It was just pure bum. I suppose. But, you know, it's not like they didn't do anything perverted in this programme. No. Oh, wait a minute. <laughs> <laughs> this is where we get introduced to Debbie, who is, what, Ruth's old friend from drama school. Yeah, who's who's um, gone all boring and family-ish. Yeah, but she's also a like a soap star as well. So she seems to have like proper TV work, and he's gone. Oh, getting pregnant's the best thing I ever did. While you know Ruth is struggling and single, she wants what Debbie's almost like. I don't want that. Ah, uh, but Debbie's part in the soap for a year was a woman in a coma. Yeah. <laughs> I just love the idea of, you know, that's her part, woman in coma. And then she graduates to the wheelchair. Ooh. So Debbie basically says that the best thing she ever did was become a mum. And Ruth goes, oh, I'll have to get a boyfriend first. Foundations. We can see the stuff that lacks in her life, which are what, love, having a part in a TV series or whatever, money. She gets back to her crappy apartment and she gets offered the opportunity for an audition and she says, they're looking for unusual women, and I thought of you. And then she says something like, if you ever sneak in the toilet when I'm in there again, I will blacklist you from everywhere in Hollywood. That seems reasonable. I'm surprised she gave her a job after that, to be honest. So we get the wrestling gym thing, whatever it is. I don't know. It's basically a building with a wrestling ring in the middle and people sat on chairs. Benches. Uh, benches, yeah. Benches. I think we've, we've probably been to wrestling like that before i think <laughs> where was that place we went once in wakefield that was called like the thunderdome or something oh yeah <laughs> basically uh, for uk wrestling tv or something yeah it was on tv and it was just filmed in a barn <laughs> took ages to walk from wakefield station as well seem to recall it being like right on the edge of town i remember that as well that was miles yeah and it was winter we had to go to the pub afterwards to warm up Get hot chocolate. <laughs> get hot chocolate and gin. Yeah, so they have the wrestling, and we get introduced to Sam, played by Mark Maron. He's good. I like him. Grumpy. Grumpy guy. I liked this guy. He was odd, but I liked him. I can't quite think who he reminded me of, but because it's I've, I've not seen him before, but he just struck me as really odd. Yeah, have you ever watched... Well, no, you haven't, <laughs> obviously. <laughs> but he, he does the Mark Maron show. He's a comedian person. It's very good. Right. His stand-up's all right, but he's one of those comedians who's a bit too much into the American politics. Isn't that all American comedians these days? Yeah, so what we find out about Sam is he seems bitter. He's a B-movie director, or at least a former one, and... He says that they're going to be doing a lady wrestling show. So we get introduced to the women in a bit of a montage thing. There's Kate Nash. She turns up. The lovely Kate Nash. <laughs> I've um, been saying that for years, John. Yeah. And there's someone who claims she's 19 but clearly looks about 15. You know, the sulky goth one. And then Ruth goes with her Hollywood headshot thing. <laughs> and is very actorish. Actress-ish, is that a word? Actorial. Um, yeah. What is it, Sam says? What are you? A real actor. 
which I thought was a good line. Yes. Better delivery than me, obviously. He's a professional comedian. Do you know what I mean? He gets paid to do this stuff, unlike me, who just does this because otherwise it's crying over a Frey Bentos pie. So I cry over Frey Bentos pies, John, because <laughs> I'm not allowed to eat them anymore. Do you remember that when you, know, when you pull back the crusty pie and there's that membrane on top? The membrane. <laughs> Have you ever eaten the membrane? Oh, of course I have, yeah. It's so good. Uh, I hate to think what it actually is. Dread to think. You know they're going to be one of the uh, few things that will survive when the world ends. They'll be a relic to our age. It's like, you know, when people uncover 1,800-year-old um, barrels of wine and stuff, it'll be Frey Bentos pies, that's it. Frey Bentos pies and cockroaches. Basically that Sam guy, he's a bit mean, and he doesn't give her a yes or no, he just says... I don't know. I don't know if you're right or not. Whoa. I think that's good directing. Why should he make a choice right there? It's good casting, I should say. If he gets the first impression of... Because uh, he did get rid of one person because she looked like his ex-wife. So that was a good line. I like that. You know, we don't know whether she's going to be in the wrestling show. I mean, luckily for us, she's actually in a show about lady wrestling and she seems to be the central focus. So we're all right. Yes. I think we'll be okay. Going back to her apartment, and a fiend, let's call him, climbs through her window, and he's a, he's a boyfriend. Or or is he? What is he, Colin? What is he? He's someone else's boyfriend. He's someone else's husband. husband. Husband, sorry, yeah. You're absolutely right. He's someone else's husband, but whose? Yeah. Ruth says, oh, it was a mistake. Go home. And he shakes her. Yes. And he, he says sort of like weird things. It's like, oh, you're so real. You're, <laughs> you're the most real person I've ever had sex with. I have no idea what that even means. I wonder if it was a reference to like fake boobs or something, or could have been anything. Possibly, but my head, I'm still confused after all that. I just hate those sex scenes. Though. I just think they're tacky and they don't add anything to anything. I suppose the only thing they did is we know that the affair is continuing so when she goes oh it was only once then that's a lie i just think sex scenes in these programs are always just tacky they could have done it with um implication and everything that would have been stronger i think yeah you, you think this show required some subtlety so. <laughs> <laughs> i think that bit did yes <laughs> just in films in general yeah yeah I know what you're it's a pet peeve of mine nobody does subtext anymore colleen Yes, subtext is dead. What are you really trying to say? No. Okay, so we cut back to the wrestling casting thing, and this is the bit where Sam says something like, okay, you're going to be doing, like, tick-grabbing and cunt-punching. <laughs> <laughs> I hope you're okay with that. And we're like, what? It's like, sorry, didn't you hear? I said cunt-punching. <laughs> cunt-punching. <laughs> I think that's my new favourite insult. You're a cunt punch. <laughs> Not a cunt puncher. Punchy. No. no. Just a just a cunt punch. Nice. Nice. Yeah. So did you recognise um what's he called, Colin? What was that guy called who was in the ring training them? Johnny, whatever brand he's in. John Hennigan? Uh Nitro, Johnny Nitro? No. Johnny Mundo. Johnny, Johnny Impact. Johnny Impact. Johnny Preston City Wrestling. Yeah. John Morrison. Yeah, so that guy. Yes. So he's in the ring, teaching uh, the moves. 
Didn't he have a really good name as well, though? Yeah, like... It's like Salty the Sack Johnson. <laughs> <laughs> Which Salty Johnson is just, that's horrible, isn't it? Fact, salty, salty Sack Johnson. Salty the Sack Johnson, yeah. It's just a dirty name. That's grubby. <laughs> uh, um, so they do, what is it, like rolls and stuff, and Ruth is not very good at rolls. She can't do rollovers either. That, um, that was a slight on her acting ability. I see what you did there. It's very good. It's very good. Thank you. I'll write that one down. It's basically like an episode of, I don't know if you ever saw Tough Enough. I saw the um, TNA equivalent. Oh, that was quite entertaining now. The one with Rockstar Spud and uh, yes. Marty Squirrel. Oh, no, no. It was the one after that. It was um, when they... Oh, with <sighs> El Ligero in. And, uh, El Ligero and um, that transvestite wrestler from Leeds. Oh, Ollie. Ollie Burns. Ollie, that's the one, yeah. One of the best bits was um, all through the auditions, they would have um, Al Snow getting in the faces of um, all the fat wrestlers and slacking off their um, cardios. Then Dave the Bastard Mastiff got in with him, so he did all the same. You know, he said, I bet you can't keep up with me, he said to Dave Mastiff. And they did some um, burpees and jumping jacks and stuff like that. And um, after a few minutes, Dave Mastiff was still going. Al Snow was pretty much wiped out. That was funny. That'll learn him. I didn't see that second series. I only saw the first one. Don't know what happened to the um, the Blossom Twins. They were in the first series. Don't know what happened to them. Never saw them again. But yeah, Mar- Marty Skrull's obviously doing all right for himself now. Rockstar Spud. Whatever he's doing. Yeah. Isn't he on Raw now? Doesn't he run around yes. with R-Truth or something? Isn't that his gimmick? He does. Look, if you're in a program with R-Truth, that means that you're going to be on camera on Raw every week. So Job for life. In 20 years, when our truth retires at the age of 70, <laughs> Rockstar Spud would, or Drake Maverick is um, is going to take his place. Is that, is that his name now? How can you go for Drake Maverick after Rockstar Spud? I know. <laughs> Wasn't Drake Maverick in Top Gun? It wouldn't surprise me. Anyway, going back to this, uh, Ruth is in the ring with a woman who is, I think she says she's half Cherokee, and... She wants to know what her motivation is. You know, why why are they fighting? Why has she got to do a hair mare? And she acts and starts doing acting. And Sam goes, you both cut because you weren't following directions. And, and that's reasonable. Ruth argues the toss. So Sam says, why should I pick you? And why should I pick you? You know, he, he says that he's going to keep one of them. Ruth gives a impassioned speech about how much she wants it and how she can bring acting to the wrestling and bring it to a higher level. And then the half Cherokee one said, like, oh, basically my dad's a famous wrestler and so are my brothers. <laughs> so Ruth is cut. There we go. End of the series. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was good. Only 30 more episodes to go. Yeah, yeah. She's had the cut. Phew, at least things won't get worse for her. Oh, but they do. She gets mugged by, like, 12-year-olds or something. They take her food, her purse, and her keys to her house. She's just everything. It's just the worst. I know. I mean, I love tacos as well. And so Debbie comes to the rescue, and she has a spare key. And who's on the photograph on the keyring, Colin? Uh, I didn't catch it. The husband. Ah. Debbie's husband. The one that Ruth slept with earlier. She's sleeping with her best friend's husband. What a bitch. So, is Ruth aware that the strange guy is Debbie's husband? Yes. Okay. So, she's a flawed hero. 
she's got a lot of things to change and improve over the course of 30 episodes. I wonder if she will. I wonder if she'll get redemption and find forgiveness from Debbie after all this. We cut to Ruth in a, I think they called it like a scene study class. It's basically like an acting class where they're doing scenes from a cat and hot tin roof, I think it was. And she kind of breaks down during the scene. She's upset. And then we cut back to her apartment and she's watching like Hulk Hogan stuff and Ric Flair stuff because apparently it was very easy to get wrestling at convenient times of different brands. Yeah. Maybe she had the WWE Network or something. That could be it. And then she kind of works on her character a bit and then returns to... In fact, no, I would say she actually burst into the wrestling place, <laughs> dressed in a leotard. And yeah, but did you see what was on her hands as well? Her gloves? No. They were marigolds with the fingers cut off. <laughs> I never noticed that. <laughs> yeah. I I laughed at that. Just marigolds, no fingers, and that made her look mighty. She's basically there to tell Sam that she won't quit, and she does the where is it? Cat on a hot tin roof scene, and then throws herself around the ring a bit. It's a bit weird. And she says a few Hulk Hogan things like saying your prayers and eating your vitamins. It's almost like if you can imagine this. You've got the old world, which is the acting stuff. You've got the new world, which is the wrestling stuff. She's bringing them together. Whoa. That's deep, man. This is where Debbie turns up, and she is an angry lady. And Why is she angry? Because Ruth slept with her husband. And they go in the ring, and they slap each other about, and they have back-and-forth kind of promos almost. <laughs> Sam is impressed. He likes what he sees. I think... There's a few people around, not sure whether that's part of the show, whether it's like, you know, acting. And then you get a flash of Debbie and Ruth in a wrestling match. And this is all going on in Sam's head because we've suddenly got access to his thoughts. And so they have a bit of a match. And then it cuts back and they're still in the tatty ring in that gym. And Debbie is slapping Ruth around and knocks her out, basically. And then John Morrison says, how shall I call it? Sam goes, yeah, and counts the pin. And that's the end of the episode. And not a single cunt punch happened. Ugh. <laughs> that's a phrase I never wanted to know, <laughs> to be honest. One thing that we've overlooked is the magnificent performance of one Kia Stevens. Kia Stevens, who was she? Awesome Kong. Oh, is she? I didn't notice her in this one. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, she was, uh, well, she's in every episode, according to the Wikipedia. Yeah. She was um, holding the baby Awesome performance by Awesome Kong there. Yeah, so there we go. We've got two wrestlers. It's like the running man all over again. (laughs) What do you think, Colin? Does it require a stool chart? It does not, John. I shall be watching the next 29 episodes, I think. Yeah. I look forward to seeing what happens, and I look forward to seeing if Ruth gets an actual costume, and if she ever gets paid. I found it all a bit depressing at times, but (laughs) it um, it was very good. It's kind of got that, well, you've not seen it, but the Stranger Things thing of, like, the 80s nostalgia stuff is done quite well, and it's quite fun. And then, Yeah, I, I love the opening sequence, actually. Yeah, so in this you've got the kind of 80s fun stuff going on, and then Ruth's life is actually quite 
depressing. <laughs> just, <laughs> uh, it's like with Stranger Things, you've got the 80s nostalgia and then you've got the weird X-Files kind of stuff going on. So, yeah, both good shows. Love them both. I really enjoyed this. I did watch the third series recently and wasn't as impressed, but this is definitely why I did get into the show. Is it to continue after the third series? I don't know. It ended in a way where it can or it doesn't need to, if you know what I mean. Right. So I don't know whether it's worth it, <laughs> personally. I think they made a lot of storytelling mistakes in the third series, but they didn't seem to happen in this episode, which is good. So I don't know. We could just keep reviewing the series as an ongoing diversion from our usual thing. From our terrible lives. Yes, from, <laughs> from a, as a diversion from the usual like horrible films. Who knows, it might take us up till Christmas where we can then watch a horrible, horrible film or something. I don't know. Do you know what? I will not, not be up for that. So um, maybe this time, same time next week, perchance. Yeah, that's not promised stuff. <laughs> Let's not, but I'm, I'm certainly going to watch it. No, that sounds good. So, no stool chart today, unfortunately. Will I need it at any point? I think possibly. I think Ah. in the third series, there's basically a lot of storylines coming together. And all the stuff where you've got the most conflict and drama and interesting stuff actually happens off screen. And you just get the results of it. And it's like, I want to see that bit. You know what I mean? I want to see the actual climax of the story. I don't want to see just the resolution of the story. So that was a bit disappointing. But you will see later on. You might just like it. You might just think, hooray, lots of women jumping around in spandex. Way. <laughs> well, what's not to like? Anything else new with you, John? Not really. No. I saw the Pixies on Saturday. Did they do that song? Yeah, yeah. And the other one. Did they do the Laughing Gnome? No, no, they didn't do that one, actually. And they call themselves the Pixies. I know. There's this woman sort of dancing in a bit of a odd way, and um, I had to reprimand her because twice in the space of a few seconds she was swinging her arms and punching me on the cock. <laughs> it didn't hurt, but it was getting annoying. <laughs> it was actually quite arousing. But, you know. Yeah. Well, was it the original lineup? No, Kim Deal. Okay, right. Uh, other than that, it was the original line. Okay. Did, did they do uh, that Frank Black song that's really good? No, no. Buggers. They did, uh, they finished with Debaser. Okay, it's a good song. And they they did the Fight Club song. Okay. Well, it was, I mean, they're only on for um, half an hour. That was, what, 39 songs? <laughs> well, two hours they were on. And um, James, bless him, even though he's from up Newcastle, has uh, never been to such a raucous gig, I don't think. And um, I think it was all a bit much for him. <laughs> well, I'll ask him um, if he ever comes on this podcast, which he, he keeps saying he will. Yeah. You can follow me on the Twitter at JL Cronshaw if you're into author shizzle. What about you, Colin? Any plugs? No. Good. <laughs> <laughs> So until next time, cheerio. Bye.